Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. You ready for the word tonight? We're going to have some fun. We're going to unpack some stuff. And um, this is my avocado plant. Um, it jiggles when I move it. But um, I'm actually not going to talk too much about this. Um, if you don't know me too much or you haven't been to my house, I, I like plants. We discovered this when we got married. I, I started buying like Amanda orchids for like Valentine's Day and then they'd um, die. Uh, <laughs> so I took it upon myself to look after that, which I gave her. Um, it turns out I like looking after plants. Um, if you give me a plant, you'll be in my good books. Not that I have bad books, really. Uh, but I discovered that you can actually plant avocado seeds. And because um, I'm like, $3 is a lot for a piece of fruit, but that is a bargain for a plant. <laughs> and so I'm getting a piece of fruit and a plant out of it. And you know what? If you're really into it, you can sell them and make money. Just an idea for all those entrepreneurs out in the world who love plants. Um, but this is just going to sit here. Uh, for those who like plants, I've already won you over. Uh, for those who don't, it's all good. It's green. Look at it. Uh, but we are going to talk about, this is just going to be an illustration for us tonight, but tonight uh, we're going to jump straight into a scripture and then we're going to flesh this out over the night. And so if you've got your, your, your paper Bibles, um, or you can turn on your Bible, um, or if you're lazy, you can look at the screen. Oh, there we go. The delay. And by lazy, I don't, that's not a dig, I'm just being funny. Or trying to be funny. That's probably the better. <laughs> but we're reading in John chapter 5, verses 8, and we're just going to sit on this statement for a second. It says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And we're actually, this is the punchline of a story. And um, the story is, there's this guy named Jesus, and he is, if, if you're unfamiliar, he is who we would regard as the Son of God, um, man on the earth, rep- um, God and man coming together in perfect unity to come and do and conquer this thing called sin. And before he dies and is resurrected, which we'll talk about in just a second, um, he goes around healing people. He go around and his primary message is this, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, change your thinking, because what is about to come is going to blow your mind, and you can't think about it the same way that you were thinking about it. Come and change your mind. And he would tell this, he would proclaim this, and then he would heal anyone that came to him. So this is an instance where uh, uh, Jesus has walked to a place, uh, a part of the Jerusalem called, uh, the, the gate called Beautiful. It's a pretty cool name for a gate. Uh, I don't, my gates and my doors aren't called anything specific at home. And he gets to this part of the town, and it is known as a place where disabled people and crippled people uh, come and gather together at this opportunity of receiving healing. Um, except there is a 38 uh, year well, it's not, he's not 38, he's been, um, had an impurity or a cripple or a deformity in his body for 38 years, and he's been coming to the same place every single day waiting to receive his miracle. Except the fact is, he 
you can't move, so it's hard to get into the water when you can't move. Um, and so Jesus comes and he has this thing called compassion on this man. We heard about that this morning from Pastor Sam's message. He had compassion on this individual. Seeing his need, he heals him. And let's zoom out and use this as a bigger picture of an illustration of God's relationship with you and I. Because there's this thing, as we said, called sin. And sin isn't just good things and bad things. We think it's like, oh, I lied, I sinned. And I'm not, I'm not negating that. I'm just saying sin is far more significant than t- saying something good or bad. Sin, by definition, is actually a divergence from the design of God. So what this means is like the sin in its root word talks, it's almost an archery term to miss the mark. Then you've got to ask the question, what's the mark? <laughs> what's the target, right? I'd be really bad at archery if I went around shooting arrows in random directions. Like, you're no good. And so I need to know the, the direction. What is the mark that is missed? And I would have to put it down to being the design of God. So when God created the heavens and the earth, he put things in such a way that it was designed to flourish in the principles, in the ways, in the power of God. And this thing was called the design of God. And when humanity decided against it, when they departed from the design, there was an act of sin that now came to define our way of life, our way of living. We are now living under a, a divergence from the design of God. Who we are, truly human, who we are truly created to be, we cannot physically be because we are defined in our life by sin. And in sin, we get these things called like shame. We get things called bad thoughts. We get things that are not designed, that are not ordained by God. And I'll I'll say this, anything that is is not of the design of God is sin. And so if we are under the power of sin in the same way that this man was under the power of a deformity or a cripple, the only way out is we can't move out of it. We can't get into the water to heal ourselves. We can't get rid of this thing that is entangling our lives, that is taking us away, that has chosen a destiny for us that we can't get out of. We are entangled. There's this thing called sin. And so we need a savior. Jesus comes onto our scene, maybe at a place called Beautiful, I'm not sure where you live, uh, where he sees you and he says, I choose you. I love the fact that, as Pastor Sam said this morning as well, it's like Jesus chooses us, we don't choose him. John says, uh, we did not love first, he first loved us. I'll tell you what, there is nothing in my life that I can get myself out of. Jesus has to pick me out of everything. He has to come into my world and save me from sin. Sin is, it's like being dead, A dead man can't breathe, a dead man can't live outside of himself. He needs someone to resurrect him, to give him new life. And so Jesus comes on the scene and provides this new life. We're not even into this yet. This is just the introduction. (laughs) And then at the moment of intersection where Jesus heals this man, when he takes us out of our sin, we are saved. We receive a newness of life. There is something that has been made right. This man gets his legs repaired for him by the Savior. And then Jesus says something to him. Take up your mat, get up, and walk. 
Take what has defined you, the comforting thing that has been around you, in the place that has defined you, the sin, the place that, of where you had to beg, where you were deformed, all these things, I want you to leave it now because you are now not under the authority of the infirmity. You're not under the uh, authority of sin. You are now actually under the authority of Jesus Christ, healed and living in the power of His love. And so what we see is this command. You have received new life, now walk in it. Now walk different. Now walk in His power. Now walk in who He is. And that's a really great thing. But how? <laughs> Am I the only one that reads that and I go, He didn't tell him how to do it. <laughs> he said, take up your mat and walk. Where is He going? What is He going to do? So I want to zoom out. I want to use this framework, this illustration for a second and land on this question of how do we walk in the power of God as He's predestined it, as God has designed it to be now, now that we're no longer under the power of sin, now we're not under the authority of Satan, now we are under the authority of Christ. How do we walk in the power of God? In our day-to-day, what does it mean to pick up my mat, go into my world, go into my job, go into my school, go into my university, because I can't go around with Pastor Chardon singing to me all the time. (laughs) Unfortunate. You would have a crowd around you. (laughs) I can't go around uh, just listening to, to messages all the time. I can't be so concerned with just overcoming sin that I'm actually no good to anyone around me who needs to hear the witness of Jesus Christ. There's actually what next? So I want to zoom out and I want to zoom into another part of Scripture in John chapter 15. And the uh, the title of my message tonight is Planted. Planted, how to live or living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Planted living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is going to be our key scripture tonight, John 15. And in all honesty, I've had to cut a lot from this message. It could be a mini-series. It could be a, who knows. Um, If I talk quickly, forgive me. (laughs) Listen to it again later. Um, Actually, would we just actually give a round of applause for those who are joining us online? or listening to afterwards, if, if you're joining us online, we just want to say we, we thank you for being here with us. Um, even though we uh, cannot physically be with you, we want to be with you. We pray that you do find yourself here. But we believe the same spirit that is in us is in you. And so take what authority that you need to from this and take it ownership over your own life. But we're going to get into John 15. So it's really weird. In youth, when I say scripture, they're like, Whoop. it's really weird that not happening. <laughs> no, it's, it's too late. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thanks, man. I love Pastor Dan. John 15, verses 1. <laughs> Come on, y'all. <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. And just before we read, This is Jesus telling his disciples how to live and preparing them to live when he is gone. So if we are asking, how do I live in the power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus is now preparing his disciples for this very question. I'm about to leave. This is what to do. 
I'm about to leave. This is what you need to know. And he, this is actually an extended period. This is John 15 through the end of 17, uh, where J- Jesus is literally monologuing. Um, I love a good Jesus monologue, uh, <laughs> where he's talking to with his disciples, and he is teaching them these things. In John chapter 15 and 16, he starts to speak about the Holy Spirit. And then in John chapter 17, he starts to pray over his disciples to his heavenly Father. And it's, it's awesome. And he's about to go into the Garden of Gethsemane, and things are about to change. Everything is about to change. And so he's saying, disciples, I'm about to go. This is what you need to do. This is how to live in the power of your destiny. So it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will bear even more fruit. You are, always, uh, you are already clean because of my word I have spoken to you. I won't be able to get into that tonight. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, say will, bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in me, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So as I said, there's so much in this that we, we could talk about the idea of praying and receiving what you pray for. We could talk about the fact that they may clean. We could talk about the fact that the branch is being disconnected, but we don't have time. I'm sorry. We are going to land on two key aspects that I'm going to withdraw from this tonight with you and unpack, which is, uh, oh, I made them rhyme. I have to pronounce them correctly. Taking root, bearing fruit. Are you pleased with me? (laughs) Taking root, bearing fruit. Yet, taking a page from Dr. Zeus, it means you remember it. (laughs) I do not like green eggs and ham. (laughs) But I want to pull something, these two aspects of taking root and bearing fruit. Now, he talks about the idea of remain in me and I will remain in you. Now, so I'm taking a liberty here with this idea of vine and being grafted in. Pastor Carolina preached a fantastic message a number of weeks ago called Grafted or Grown. So you can get more idea about the grafted and that aspect if you want to go back and listen to that. But I want to talk about this idea of being remaining in him as the illustration of going, taking root and growing down deep into God. In the same way that this avocado seed had potential when it was just an avocado to grow down and deep and have root. It couldn't produce leaves. It couldn't produce fruit until it took root. We need to take root into who God is, into the design of who He is, into who He's called you to be. Let Him be your supply for life rather than just trying to go out on your own because we're humans and we like to do that. Uh, but let him be your supply as you go and you, you go down deep into his truths and let it take over your soul. Let it redefine you and who you are. And 
there's one particular phrase that I want to focus in on it for a second, and it's alluded to in verse 4, but it's explicitly said in verse 5, and it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not something. <laughs> nothing. Anything apart from God is not the fruit of God. And so I need the source of the Holy Spirit in my life to produce fruit of the Spirit. And what's crazy about this verse is Jesus is saying it to his disciples, right? This makes sense. You're like, Jesus is talking, and so you're like, of course Jesus is going to say, you can't do anything, you're Jesus. Uh, but what's incredible is it reminds me of a different verse in John chapter 5, and it's John chapter 5, verses 19, and the Pharisees are coming and accusing Jesus, saying, where are you getting the authority to do such things? And in John 5, um, John 5, verses 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son of God can do nothing by himself. He can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. You're not getting this. The Son of God can do nothing by himself. Jesus can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Now, we've got Jesus on the planet is, as we talked about, both this perfect union between man and God, and he's this design. But in Hebrews, we discover that he humbled himself to the state of humanity, emptying himself of God, the power of God, and he actually walked on this earth as a human in the power of the Holy Spirit. What this means is Jesus performing miracles as God makes sense, right? He's extending his hand to sick people and he's lifting them up. This is awesome. He's healing blind eyes. As God, I witnessed this and I applaud him. I'm like, man, good job. These people are receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. They're receiving something of God and they are finding healing in their life. As as if Jesus is doing it as God, then I am a witness. I'm on the sidelines applauding what he's doing on the earth. But what if he's not doing it as God? He's actually doing it as man, witnessing it through the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. It means he's doing it first as a human, not as God. This is, stay with me. <laughs> what this means is I'm no longer called a witness. I'm actually invited in as a participator. Because if the same Spirit is in me that rose Christ Jesus from the grave, if I am filled with the same Holy Spirit that is in Him, that is empowering Him to do what He is called to do on the planet, if I, it is the same Spirit that came upon Him during baptism and remained on Him in the form of a dove, is the same Spirit that baptized me in the same way it baptized the disciples in Acts 2, then I am walking in the same power and authority of Jesus Christ on the planet. The catch is he, we must remain in God. We must remain in God. You were called to be a participator with God in what He is doing. John chapter 17, which I mentioned before, it won't be on the screen. Jesus prays this, um, Father, let them be one just as you and I are one. Let them be a part of this relationship just like you and I have this relationship. 
Are you getting this? We are not called to live outside of this uh, relationship with God and come into, the, come into God and approach Him with fear and trembling. We are actually coming in as sons and daughters of God who are welcomed as part of God as Jesus is. We are called to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in the same way Christ Jesus on the earth is. So when we witness the miracles of God, when we witness the miracles of Jesus, the blind eyes opening, witnessing and preaching, we are actually witnessing a model for us to walk in. This is incredible. And your silence means either you're thinking about it or you're not getting it. (laughs) But you have the same spirit in you. Let us not live defeated lives. Let us not live as if the Spirit of God is not in us. If we feel shame, if we feel guilt, if we feel like we're caught in addiction, let us remind your soul for a second that it is you are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You're actually called a son and daughter of God to walk in the same authority and power as Christ Jesus did. When Jesus sees you, he is, when God sees you, he's looking in the same righteousness as Jesus did. He has called you a son and a daughter. And this, this idea of remaining, this other part of the verse here, he says, he can only do what he sees his father doing. Jesus in a, is in a constant gaze. Jesus in a, is in a constant relationship with God. Would you call it a remaining? A taking root into him and is saying, I abide. I abide in God. He is my source. He is everything. There's a scripture, and I don't want to read all of it, but in Ephesians 3, um, verses 17, it says, May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell. Settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in his love and founded securely on love. The word dwell here, there's a couple of different meanings, but the meaning here is talking about residency. Let me say some of the alternative words. It would be live dwell, inhabit, dwelling place, habitation, get this, tent or tabernacle. Sit on that for some Old Testament Joshua action. Take up some, take up residence. God is not interested in a tourist destination to your heart. He's not interested in just coming and visiting for a family holiday and then leaving again. When we have received the Spirit of God, He has taken up permanent residency. And God is a renovator. (laughs) God is into renovation. He has taken up permanent residence in your heart. He is not leaving. I'm sorry. (laughs) You can do nothing to make him want to leave. We are talking about this month, the broken, God's broken heart for humanity. I'll tell you what, God loves you. God loves you. You know what? He is not just, he doesn't just have love. God is love, which means he cannot cease to have love if he possessed it as possessing a plant. I can lose a plant. But if it's something I am, I cannot cease to be Cameron if I lose my plant. He is love. He will never stop loving you. He will never shake from that. It is who he is. When he looks at you, he has unconditional love gazing at your very soul. And he says, I am in pursuit of you. I am chasing after you. And I want residency in your home. Anything that has taken up residency before me, I've actually kicked out. I'm not sure what has been done to you or by you or through you. But there is, no, sin is gone. 
Shame is gone. They no longer have the resonancy of your heart. I do. I'm not sure if they've left some marks in the walls. We'll look after that in the process. There's, maybe there's some effect. Maybe there's some scuffing on the ground. Maybe there's some carpet that needs replacing. But there's a, a sense of God is taking up residency. He now owns your property. And you know what? He loves you and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you have an entitlement as a son and a daughter in his throne room. We are meant to enter the throne room of God with boldness. When we speak and when we pray and when we worship tonight, let us not worship as strangers coming and trying to be someone before God, but let us come with an expectancy that we are meeting with our Father. Come on, can you get the fact that you are not called to live a defeated life? Romans 8 talks about that we are called to be more than victors. If God is for us, who can be against us? We are walking in the power and the presence in the same authority that Jesus did on the earth. The second one I want to pull towards, um, because I'm literally running out of time, is bearing fruit. Remember the rhyme? <laughs> Taking root, bearing fruit. Let's say it again because it sounds nice. Taking root, bearing fruit. Notice that it's not an optional thing. In verse 5 of John 15, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I am in you, you may bear fruit. You sometimes will bear fruit. No, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if I'm remaining in him, if I'm letting the truth of God wash over me, if I'm letting him take over my mind, like Pastor Dan talked about a couple of weeks ago, and letting uh, the re renewal of my mind transform my way of thinking about God and walking in his presence, would you call it a renovation of your life, a renovation of your property that he now owns, a reforming of your mind according to the patterns of his world, and letting your supply come and up through the roots of the vine, it means that I'm producing His fruit. When we look at Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit, it is the fruit of the Spirit. An orange tree does not have to try and produce oranges. If it has the source of life and the right conditions, it produces oranges. It's strange when Christians are squeezed, when the pressures, pressures of life squeeze and Christ doesn't come out. Why do we fret? When something shakes our world in a circumstantial way, and no, the God of the universe has me in his hand. When I get squeezed, I'll smile. When someone cuts me off in traffic in a very inconvenient manner during school traffic, <laughs> I don't let it get to me because it's circumstantial. It doesn't matter because the God of the heavens has me in his hand. When someone tries to offend me, <laughs> I don't get offended. I can't afford offense. I can't afford to be offended because if the power of God is at work in me, offense is offense trying to stop me from operating in my destiny. So I can't afford to have that. I've got to get rid of it. I will not let anything squeeze me and not produce Christ. And if anything does, I come to him as a son. I repent and the shame is gone. And I try and walk in, as a renewal of my mind, the ways of God.
Is your Christianity defined by your abilities? Or is it defined by the source that your roots are coming up? If it's defined by our abilities, we are taking root in things that we can do. We are trying to find our source in our own strength, in our own mindsets. But if we take root in the Holy Spirit, if, if we are getting, call it, call it the life force of the vine coming in and through us, we do not have to try and produce the fruit. We just need to try and stay connected. I don't need to try and guide my world in some big stress. I don't need to worry about the steps that I'll take at work or whether I will have work. I don't need the perfect job. I just need to walk and remain in Christ and he will lay before me my path. And my God is big enough to close the door if I try and enter through it and it's the wrong door. He is big enough to direct my paths. All I need to do is keep my face gazing at him. In the same way Jesus says, it's I only do what I see my Father doing. I will only look towards my Father for my guidance. I will only look towards my Father for my source of life. And the natural consequence of me being connected with Him is the fruit of the Spirit coming in and out of my life. It means people will be attracted in and around me and I won't have to try. I'll just be walking in who He has called me to be. You know, under my name, just before you saw the word youth pastor, that is a function that I do. It is not who I am. I'm actually employed full-time in digital marketing. I'm not a marketer. It's a function I perform. I am first and foremost a son of God. And whether I work in coffee, whether I work in marketing, whether I work in business, whether I'm in ministry, whether I'm picking up a teenager from school, or whether I'm cooking dinner for my wife at home, I remain a son. And so for me to be the best husband I can be, I don't need to try. I just need to stay connected to the vine. I need to keep my source in the Holy Spirit. And when I get angry, I walk out of the room. and remind my soul who my source is. Psalms 42 is, why are you downcast on my soul? Take strength in my God, but he is with you. He is big enough to be your strength that is reminding of the soul. God is too big for us to leave us where we are. There is a fruit that comes in your life. And uh, I actually wanna uh, pray for some people in a second. And before I do, I just want to talk about the idea of, God, um, Cam, I'm not seeing fruit in my life. What's the deal? Let me encourage you. This did not grow overnight, but it was a process. There was a process of nurturing. There was a process of, of taking root before it ever showed any leaves. There was a, a sense of the biggest trees have the biggest root, biggest root systems. Don't worry about the fruit. I want you to focus on the root. And if you've, you're like, man, I'm trying to deal with my anger problem or I'm trying to deal with this, uh, you don't have a fruit problem. You have a root problem. I want you to consider where is your source of life coming from? Where are you taking thought? Where Are you spending time with God and letting Him supply your soul with the life that you need? Do you feel peace in your heart or do you wrestle constantly? Because through prayer and petition, I have a promise that the peace of God will, trans, uh, will, will extend beyond my circumstantial understanding. And even though I don't know what's going on, I have a strength in my Father. And I want to say, celebrate the sprouts.
Celebrate the sprouts. When you look around you, you can honestly, maybe there's a big, dirty, old, hairy thing that you've been praying for, and you're looking at this thing, you're staring it down, but you're so focused on it, you're ignorant to the fact that God is growing a garden of sprouts in your life around you. I want to encourage you, you may not be seeing this giant, this Goliath fall, but maybe it's not as big as you thought it was, and God is doing more than you thought he was. That song, Waymaker, even though I don't see it, even though I don't feel it, God is moving in your life. God is moving powerfully in your soul. He is changing your source. He is changing your supply. You've got to celebrate the sprouts. You've got to celebrate the sprouts. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.